0: Acts, the first chapter and the eighth verse, this might be kind of like a follow-up to it. After people are born again, these disciples here, Jesus was about ready to be caught up into heaven. They had been trained for three and a half years by him personally. How many of you know that would be a good thing to be trained? So does that mean you're ready to go when he said, all right, now go into all the world? Well, actually, they weren't quite ready yet. You with me? And so we're going to begin reading in Acts 19. You said, well, I'm in Acts 1, but I decided to turn to Acts 19 and then go back there. What I'm trying to do is help you guys to be skilled at finding scriptures, not necessarily reading them. No, we want you to read them too, right? But Acts 19, and... um, We'll begin reading in verse 1. It said, Now it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came near Ephesus and finding some disciples. What are disciples? Disciples are people who are not only saved, but people who are self-disciplined, who are following after whatever the Lord said. As a matter of fact, Disciples, you know, Jesus talked about discipleship in the Bible, in John, the 8th chapter, and he went extensively in what a disciple is, and a disciple is one who does whatever the Lord says. You know, in other words, they become self-disciplined. It's not just necessarily going through a class. Some people say, well, I want to go through a discipleship class. Well, even if you went through a discipleship class, you're not a disciple, you just been through a class, you out there. We talked about this in prayer about Matthew, you know, fourteen, where uh, Peter or Peter and the disciples were out in the middle of the sea, and and there was a storm going, and they couldn't even row any further, and Jesus came walking on the water, and, and uh, they all freaked out, <laughs> you know, because you don't see people walking on the water normally. And uh, he said, don't be afraid, it's me. But Jesus is performing a miracle. He, he is having a miracle as he's going across. But then Peter looked up at him and said, after he said that, he said, don't be afraid, it's me. Peter said, I want a miracle too. I want to do the same thing you're doing. He said, if it's you, cause me, command me to come. So what did the Bible say? The Bible said Jesus said, Come. Did Peter have his miracle? No. Not until he came. Then he started walking on the water to go to Jesus. So he started walking on the water. But what did he have to do? He had to do... What Jesus said. A disciple is one who does what he says, not just hears what he says. And so here it says, when he came, he had found some disciples. These were people who were following the Lord, Jesus himself. And in verse 2, it said, he came to them, or I'm sorry, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, that's an odd question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, we know this. By this time in Paul's life, this would not be an accidental question. This would not be a question of ignorance. I mean, by this time, I mean, as you read through his life, I mean, Jesus has appeared to him multiple times. Angels have appeared to him. I mean, he has had supernatural things happen that are just incredible, and uh, he is at has been receiving revelation. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. So if anybody knew something and wasn't making a mistake on what they said, he found these people who were believers, and then he said, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? In other words, we would say it like this. Now that you believed, after you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And what's interesting is this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard. So they responded. And they, they had some kind of understanding, which was, we don't know about this. Because it's interesting to me, he said, did you receive since you believed? For time's sake, we won't go there, but if you read the book of Acts and go to the eighth chapter of Acts, Philip was a man sent by God to be an evangelist and to preach the gospel all over the place. He went down to this city called Caesarea. He went down there and he preached. And I mean, he prayed for people, people got healed, things were happening, and it was just powerful. And the Bible said the city was filled with joy. And even there was a guy there that was practicing sorcery and witchcraft. And when they learned about the name of Jesus, that didn't work anymore. The disciples or these new believers found out this wicked power has no power compared to God's power. And so what's interesting, these people, even this sorcerer, started following Philip and learning stuff and what happened was the church kind of like the headquarters was in Jerusalem at that time and so when the heads of the church like Peter and James and John uh, heard about this you know the head people there they sent Peter and James down to Caesarea where Philip was and why did they go down there? If you'll read, it went, they said they went down there to pray for him that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had fallen on none of them yet. They had only been baptized, they were saved, but they weren't filled with the Spirit. And what's interesting is, when they went down, even Simon the sorcerer, when he was watching them pray, said, Give me this gift too. So it's a gift. And he said, I'll give you money for it. And uh, Peter did not like that. He knew his motives were wrong. He had been manipulating people and using the power of the devil to control people. Now he's wanting a new power. The power of God is not to manipulate people. And he said, you perish with your money. He said, you think the gift of God could be bought with money? He was wrong. But what's interesting is the statement that's made. You know, basically they're praying on on whoever they lay their hands. Whoever they lay their hands, the Holy Spirit came on them. They were filled. It's interesting even today when you pray by the power of the Spirit. Sometimes people wonder, why do people fall down? Well... If the power of the Spirit goes into them, let me ask you a question. Or if the Spirit of God moves on someone, or the Spirit of God moves in an atmosphere, is God separate of power? Is He separate of power? Do you get God without power? Do you have real true power without God? Now, I'm not talking like electricity or, you know, dynamite or something like that. But I'm saying this. You know, the Bible said the traditions of men make the power of God of no effect. God is powerful. Traditions hinder it, short-circuit it. You know, in the Old Testament, because of their wrong thinking, the Bible said they limited the Holy One of Israel. They thought too small about his ability. They thought too weak about how, you know, just he can't do this. And he said, you've limited. So in other words, when you limit, I was talking to somebody this week. And I had a certain kind of car at one time and, and, and under a certain brand. It was a Lexus. And, um, and a friend of mine had a better one. His was a little older. But I knew mine did not have a limiter or governor on it, so mine would actually go faster at top speed, so I'd say my car's faster than yours and doesn't cost as much. (laughs) But the thing is, he had more power. But they put a limiter on it or a governor on it so they could only go to a certain speed But because mine didn't, I could, you know, maybe he could get there quicker, but, you know, until we get to that speed, but I could keep going because my car was not limiting the power that was there. But he had the power. God has the power, but the issue is sometimes people limit the power because they think wrong about God. And so when the Spirit of God's moving, there's power in manifestation, There's something happening or that can happen. And so when we pray for people, if somebody falls down, we shouldn't be surprised at all. Now, we shouldn't push people down. It doesn't mean everybody's going to fall down. But we shouldn't be bothered if the Spirit of God moves. Shouldn't be bothered if the Spirit of God moves. And you start sensing something. You know, if you've been in a service before and you're praising the Lord, and all of a sudden you're like, well, this is different. Seems like there might be power here. Because when God manifests, He didn't, is it? He, he manifests in power. It's just how He is. I mean, when when He comes back, it's gonna be powerful. And people aren't gonna be able to run, hide, or nothing, and they're gonna be people just coming undone when they see him coming back in the clouds of glory. You with me? But anyway, here they asked, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They hadn't even heard. If you read on, he, he said, well, then what were you baptized into? Say they had already gone down this process. And they explained, and it was actually an old baptism. It was John's baptism. John was baptizing for repentance, but when You get baptized the way Jesus said it would be through the authority of his name in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you'd hear about the Holy Spirit, but they hadn't, and they hadn't been filled. So what happened when they did get filled? Notice this in Acts 19.6. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, hands on them, Is this the only way somebody can get filled with the Spirit? In Acts 10, there are other places, but I mean, is this the only way by laying on of hands? In Acts 10, Peter was just preaching away, going to town, talking about Jesus and his power, how God anointed him with power. And while he was talking, it said the Holy Spirit fell on all of them, and they were all filled. And the same results happened. He's preaching away, and God started moving on them. Well, when God starts moving on people, you can't go, well, they pushed him. No, because you're way back there. You know, we've had people, they're just praising God, and they just sense God real strong, and then they almost go out. So you just sense his presence. I almost feel weak in my legs. His power will bless you, but it will do other things. But notice this in verse 6. It said, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, now, these guys were already disciples. He asked them, Have you received the Holy Spirit? They had not. So, when he laid his hands on them, it says, The Holy Spirit came upon them. When he laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they, so he laid his hands, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They got filled with the Spirit, and something happened. They started speaking, like the Bible said in other places, in an unknown tongue. At one place calls it the tongues, in in 1 Corinthians 13, calls it the tongues of men and of angels, like a heavenly language. They started speaking. So notice, go back to Acts 1. Now we'll get there. you guys are already there, right? Acts 1, Jesus had trained his disciples by God's direction. He's getting ready to send them off and to, to go out and do work. And he's, you know, giving final instruction. And this is one of the last things he said. How many of you know sometimes some of the last things people say are quite important? Why do we go to the back of the book of Mark and the back of the book of Matthew and different places where Jesus spoke when he gave the great commission? And the great, you know, told them what to do, commissioned them to go do something. In the great commission, and part of it in Mark 16 is, in my name, in the name of Jesus, you will speak in new tongues. Somebody said, well, is that Spanish or something? Because I've heard that before. You know, if you go to Mexico, then you, that's why they needed, Paul needed that. It's interesting that Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 14.2 and then in 14.4. He talked about when you pray in an unknown tongue, he said you build yourself up. But back in that second verse, he said when you pray in an unknown tongue, no one understands you. But you speak to God. So it couldn't be going and preaching because then nobody would understand you. Uh, you know. What's he saying? But he didn't say it's for just speaking to men, though God can use that. He said he speaks to God. I'm sorry, it's for speaking to God, not just to men. And so... It's interesting here in Acts 1-8 that what Jesus says here about the Holy Spirit. They were were wondering, are you going to set up your kingdom now? That's what most of the Jewish people thought. That that when the Messiah would come, he would just start ruling the whole earth. And everybody would be subservient and they'd be his people and that would be it. So even his disciples thought, this is it. Are you going to set up your kingdom? I believe this is why, when the Antichrist does come, that the Jews will first follow him. Because he's going to set up a kingdom and act like he's God. But we know Jesus came, died, rose, and will come again. And he said, don't believe if anybody on the earth ever shows up and says, I'm the Savior, I'm the one. He said, for I will return the same way I came. In other words, you'll see him in the air, not some guy just showing up and going, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm the one. He's the Antichrist. And so he explained to them, I'm leaving, I'm not setting up my kingdom now. But then he says this, but, verse 8, but, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Notice those two things are connected, Holy Spirit and power. You don't get the Holy Spirit and filled with the Spirit and get no power. You get power matter of fact, that word power there is dynamis, D-Y, you know, however it's, I'm not Greek, but I could read it if it's in a dictionary in English. And uh, it has those other pronunciations right next to it. But anyway, he said, it's where we get our word. There's another word that's similar in the New Testament, dunamis, but same type of thing, come from the same word that we have here in the United States in our English language and other places called Dynamite. What's dynamite? It's an explosion. Things, something blows something up. We think of it as a term of something with power. Now, this is not to blow something up, so to speak. But I guess you could blow up some stuff. The works of the devil. But the issue is, he said, you would receive power. Power. When you receive the Holy Spirit. And he said. Notice verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me. In Jerusalem. In Judea. Samaria. And the uttermost parts of the earth. Or the end of the earth. In other words. He named it further and further away. This will spread. This will cause you to be able to do what I want you to do. Sometimes people go, man, God wants me to do something. I don't even know if I can. Receive power. It'll help you. Receive, be filled with the Spirit. It's not that you're, if you're saved, that you're receiving something you don't have. It's really a filling to overflowing with Him who already lives in you. Jesus said in John 4, when talking to the woman at the well he said out of your innermost being you know or water will salvation will be like a well springing up but then when he talked about the holy spirit in john 7 he said it would be like rivers water just more of the same and so it's something that jesus emphasized this right before he left notice in verse 5 him talking well we'll go back to verse 4 And being assembled together with them, he commanded, this is when they're in the upper room, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. The promise of the Father was being filled with the Spirit. You can read that in Acts 2. And it says, which he said, you have heard from me, or from me, and you've heard it about him. Matter of fact, John talks about it. He said, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. It's about to be fulfilled. What's interesting is if you got baptized in water, would you know it? You'd probably get wet my thought <laughs> you know we know from the bible in 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 uh when philip before he went to caesarea right before he had prayed with this ethiopian eunuch and it said when they both went down into the water and then he when they then they baptized him in water i mean he just dunked him just, you think he knew he got wet You ever been in a swimming pool? Usually have a towel waiting. Not always. Sometimes, because most of the time, at least in my experience, when I go in the water, I get wet all over the place. And he is basically saying, listen, this is going to affect your whole life. You're going to get filled or baptized into the Holy Spirit Getting baptized in the Spirit, Jesus said, it is a, a receiving of power. It's interesting that when you look at the early church, it was marked with power. What kind of power was it marked with? I like our platform. I like the lights and everything. But that doesn't make it powerful You know, I like our monitors or screens, but that doesn't make it powerful. If I talk loud, hey, 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 that doesn't make it powerful. But sometimes people get stirred up because, you know, it's like that. And I'm okay with people being loud, and I'm okay with people being quiet. I just, I am this way. I was actually gone this week preaching, and I... Preach about seven times, and, and, uh, or actually maybe more, and um, trying to figure it out. I was supposed to do eight, but one of them, because whoever was preaching went long. Oh, that was me. And so, <laughs> eight times. But what happened was I did this one service and then taught six classes in the Bible school. Then we did this question and answer thing, and they were in the Wednesday night service. Uh, and then, you know, the Bible school students, that's part of their thing going to school. And so they did a question and answer at the end of, of the, all the classes. And this one guy said, you know, we had heard you were coming and that you would experience power and you'd you'd sense God and everything. And so I thought he's about to tell me we didn't. He's all but what was interesting to me is he said you didn't shout and you didn't go you know or anything like that and he said but he said but I could sense power. I could sense that the power of God. He said strong. Now, just because somebody's loud doesn't mean they do have power and just because they're not loud does not mean they don't have power. Power's power. You with me? You can get electricity and get shocked and hear the zzzz, or you can get shocked and not hear the zzzz, and you'll feel it. You with me? Power is power. The sad thing is, is if we try to mimic something or make something because that's what we're relying on, we're going to be loud, or we're going to be quiet because somebody else is, or I'm going to talk fast because somebody else is talking fast. The issue is when the Holy Spirit is moving, there is power. And when a believer gets filled with the Spirit, they have power. The issue is once they're filled with the Spirit is learning to cooperate with the power. You with me? So the early church, they had power. And it did different things. I'm sure that there are some things that it did that that are not even mentioned in the Bible. But they wouldn't go outside the scope of the Bible. Notice this in Acts 2.37. Peter has just been filled with the Spirit. The early disciples have been filled with the Spirit. And his preaching did something to the people. Notice this in the 37th verse. Now... When they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Well, what was he teaching? You go back up and verse 32, 33, and so on. He, he's talking about the promise of the Father, being filled with the Spirit. But verse 37, he said, or it says, When they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles. Men and brethren, what shall we do? What do we got to do? What do we got to Hey, have you ever been cut before and, you know, you're like, well, I'm not going to draw attention to myself. You know, some people fall on the ground when they get a paper cut. <laughs> ah! And everybody's like running on it. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at my hand. I got it. That's a paper cut. Yeah, I know. There's other people who get their finger cut off, and they'll just hold it. Didn't want to make a scene. But the thing is, you know, the bigger the cut, probably the louder the response. People pass out when they get cut. But here he's preaching, and they get cut so profoundly that they just shouted. What do we got to do? That'd be the best way to be interrupted in a service. Not, hey, where's the bathroom in this place? <laughs> totally different. You with me? There was power. And when he's preaching, at least they waited till he was done. And they said, well, what do we got to do? They responded to what happened in them. And just because somebody is cut doesn't mean they always answer correctly. In Acts 7, Peter is preaching the same thing happened. They were cut to the heart, and they opened up their mouth, closed their ears, and ran on and killed him. Now, that's not the kind of sermon I want. You know, were, but it was the same thing. It cut so deep, they were offended at what he said because it challenged them to change their own life. And they knew they were going to have to come away from this. And they went, no, we're sticking with the law. We're sticking with this. And they attacked him and stoned him to death. You with me? But there is power. There are other times in Acts 5.33. There's another time if you read it says they got furious. But if you read the note right there for the word furious and look in the margin, if you have a margin there, it'll say they were cut to the heart too. Why? Because the word of God and the power of God. You, ever, you can hear some things and you're like, okay. I mean, have you ever had Mexican food and you're like, that was bland. Some people like it like that and they think it's powerful if it has ketchup on it. But I'm talking for the rest of the people who understand me right now. That when you eat Mexican food and you're like, I can handle spicy and then you get that one that's like, waha. You know what I'm talking about? And you're like, whoa, it's hot. There is power, it's real, it can be strong. God's power is strong. You with me? But sometimes we have had a little. There is power to tap into with God that will make people afraid, that will do certain things in different degrees. I mean, I have this bottle of stuff that's super hot, hot sauce, and it's actually at the highest end of the Scoville rating. It's like hundreds of thousands. I think it might be a couple million, which a jalapeno is like a few thousand. And you can touch a toothpick to where you almost can't see it, put it on your tongue. And you remember when you were little or yesterday when you were eating the sucker and it feels like it tears the roof of your mouth? That much will do that. There is power with God to be tapped into. You with me? That's why, is maybe that's why I'm a little more like this when I talk. Because I think, I don't want to be like, getting people all emotionally because people can tend to get hyped up crowds get hyped up you know yeah, somebody they don't get somebody up there and go okay now listen here no they get them all stirred up saying stuff but i want god to stir people up i want god to move in people but he said you'll receive power when the holy spirits come on you notice this In verse 43 of the same chapter, when they had this, there was power, and it was hot, so to speak, and it was real, and there are things to do to enhance this, so to speak. If Jesus was limited in Matthew and in Mark, in his ministry, and he showed them how to Undo the limits. He got limited by the people. In the Old Testament, God was limited. Is there a power that's available to us that we can tap into every single believer that would revolutionize your life? So right here in Acts 2, notice this. These guys have been filled with the Spirit. They've been filled with power. And it says this in verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul. Fear came upon every soul. Every one of them had a sense of fear. Somebody said, like, were they paranoid? Like that. Not like that. In the Old Testament, when you talk about the fear of the Lord, I had studied this, looked at it a long time back. It was a literal, like a fear with a little bit of reverence. Looking at it in the New Testament when it talks about fear, it's a lot of reverence and some real fear. But not like, oh my goodness. You know, like I'm afraid of God. Not like that, but there's just something holy about it. I mean, when the disciples in Matthew 17, when... Jesus said, Peter, James, John, come with me. And he went on the Mount of Transfiguration, and the glory of God overshadowed them. And Moses and Elijah appeared to him. They fell down for fear. It wasn't because God was against them. No, God was totally for them. God wanted them to experience his power. It isn't electricity a good thing, but you have to have a certain amount of fear working with it. You would say, Respect. I even knew electricians when I worked in commercial construction. I remember we were doing a jack in the box distribution center, and I was a a field superintendent for our company, or working superintendent. And I was talking to this one guy from this other company, and somebody, you know, a comment was made about electricity, and he worked with electricity. He got upset. He said, Don't joke about it. Don't joke about it. Why? He totally respected the electricity he had to work with. I wonder if that's why people who don't understand the Holy Spirit make fun of people who get filled with the Spirit. Maybe if they just knew they wouldn't be that way. They, they just maybe wouldn't make fun. We, we shouldn't get mad at them or upset with them. They just don't know. You with me? So, where did I tell you to turn? At 43. I I thought we were almost done there, but we're not. We only got the first few words. Fear came upon every soul. We should have a reverence. And here's the thing this wasn't a sermon he taught. It was a result. Can you teach on the fear of the Lord? Yeah, because the Bible said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which is just a real somber uh, reverence for God. But they didn't teach on this. It was the result of this power. I mean, what if... You heard a wind that was so loud, you came from your house and you lived around here and you came to this building. And then you came and you, see, you know, hear this sound like a train, a rushing mighty wind, you know, filled the whole house where they were out. Then these people came out speaking in tongues, but the Bible said that every individual heard them in their own language. The wonderful works of God, whatever language they spoke some said, these guys are drunk. They said, we're not drunk, we're filled with the Spirit. They explained, no, this is about being filled with the Spirit. And when they got filled with the Spirit, I mean, you think about what happened right there. Then this sermon comes, and then when they get done, you know, after preaching, great fear came upon them all. They weren't making fun. When somebody fell dead a few chapters later, the fear got so strong on the outside of the church, they didn't make fun of them, and they didn't go to mock them or anything. It said they feared them, and nobody joined themselves to them. But daily, God added to the church those being saved. So people were getting saved coming in, but it wasn't like, let's just go check this out. Maybe they made fun of it. They didn't make fun anymore. Because they challenged the ability of the Spirit there, and what he knew, and what he would convey and tell. And all of a sudden, these guys, by the power of the Spirit, spoke something, and this person drops dead for lying, and uh, nobody left. And three hours later, in comes his wife. She tries to pull off the same thing, and same thing happens. And great fear came upon them. So is it okay to teach reverence and fear? Sure. But is there another way to recognize it or get it in your life, too? God's moving on me. He's dealing with me. He's working in my life. Okay, Lord. What if it gets so strong? Like Isaiah when he got caught up into heaven, he said, "Woe am I I'm undone." So verse 43. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders that made those were things that made you wonder. And signs, we know what signs are because they're explained in Mark 16. Healings, deliverance from demons, so on and so forth. Being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues is a sign. And so many signs, many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. They had power. We don't have a spirit that is without power. We have the same spirit, so we have the same power. Just like there is huge amounts of power traveling in these big power wires, it's just a matter of learning to tap in. And this is one way. Let's close here in Acts 6. Acts, the sixth chapter. And we'll read verse 1. Through verse 7. So when someone receives the Holy Spirit, they receive power. I would say it like this. You get more of what you already have. You get overflowing in your life what you already have as a saved person. It's not different. It's just more of the same. It's an overflowing. It's a filling to overflowing. Because there are other verses that talk about that. But the interesting thing is. Is after you're saved. And after you're filled with the spirit. There are things to do to keep that flowing in your life. But here we are. In Acts the 6th chapter. Now in those days. Verse 1. When the number of the disciples was multiplying. Thank God for multiplying. Thank God for the things he's doing here. The great things. But. Multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, these two different groups, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. They had some distribution to widows. You know, you wonder why, you know, when we talk about, you know, in our government, oh, separation of church and state, first of all, it's not written anywhere. Our social security system was set up to help things like this. We are a Christian or were a Christian nation, and so they did this to help. You with me? Here the church is doing it, or at least in a degree, because there are other scriptures that cover other ways it should happen too. It says, but the widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So it's the widows. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable or not right that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Were these guys just like, We're above serving? No, because they were with Jesus all the time and they said, and he told them, He said, He who will be the servant, he wants to be great. Must be the servant of all. If you if you're willing to serve and just do and get your hands to the plow, you'll be exalted. They knew that, but the thing is, they knew there were roles they needed to keep and play, and that they would have great results. And so they were serving God in another area in another way. And I believe what happened was what they were ultimately supposed to be doing got short-circuited, and. They weren't able to do it because they were too busy doing something else or doing it to the degree they were supposed to. And so what were they supposed to do? Well, they were supposed to be spending time with God, praying and preparing stuff so that there was an element of power in manifestation so that they could preach and do the things they do. So there was an element where the church was supposed to not only support them financially in giving, but also the people were to be involved too. And then there should have been a result if the ministers were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And so they said it's not right for us to do this. Verse 3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men, And you can pick women, too, but they chose men in this case. But women have a right to be in ministry whether we like it or not. I like it. Because sometimes people think, well, men are the only ones who can preach. Like they're the only ones who have the power of God. Like they're the only ones who can be filled with the Spirit. Like they're the only ones who have giftings and abilities. Because they've taken some scriptures out of their context. There's probably enough said about that. It's the truth. I mean, if God doesn't want women to be ministers, then why did he anoint Deborah in the Old Testament to be a prophetess and a judge over the nation of Israel? So God put this person there so everybody else could sin because they had to listen to her. You with me? But, like I said, we're going to close in these verses. Therefore, seek out seven men of good reputation, and that's all that matters. Just find seven people. No, good reputation full of the Holy Spirit. Why did he have to say that if it's automatic? Just make sure they're saved. Why did he say good reputation if it's automatic? A Christian can have a good reputation. A Christian can have a bad reputation. A Christian can be right and have a bad reputation because people have slandered them. When he's talking about a good reputation, he's talking about not what people are saying about you, but get in their business, find out how they live and who they are, and then you know their reputation. That's why he said, we won't pick them, you pick them. You're close to them, you see what they do behind closed doors. Notices good reputation full of the Holy Spirit. So being full of the Holy Spirit has to be recognizable. And wisdom and wisdom that we may and whom we may appoint over this business. Well, those seemed like some pretty big qualifications to be serving widows. But they knew that it was more than just that because other things were occurring. They'll appoint them over this business, but the business went further. We know that from the Bible. They ministered to people and other things in other ways. But notice this. Verse 4, and but we will give ourselves continually. The continual side was cut off because they were having to go do something else. It didn't mean they weren't praying, but part of their responsibility was to give themselves to it more. He said continually, we're going to continually be in prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the same made the people mad. No, it pleased the people, the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip. And he goes on to name some different people. Verse 6, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And then the word of God spread, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. It was working before, but it started working greater when everybody took their place. But he was looking for people filled with the Spirit. God wants all his people filled with the Spirit. Can you go to heaven without it? Sure you can. Can you do something for God without being filled? Sure you can. Should you? Well, consider what he said.